you know, alarm.com, which is again, our technology supplier, they, they develop their own thermostats that utilize like analytics. So it not just tells you if it's a, if there's a high or low temperature, it actually looks at your heating and cooling cycles and says, Hey, Matt, there's something wrong in unit number one or two, it's taking a long time to heat up or cool down. So it's a way to kind of get proactive and predictive and in, in, in determining issues. Because now if I know that there's there's something not working well in one of my units, I could deploy someone there during the day when it's cheap and say, hey, check it out here, tenant, go check the air filter, make sure it's not clogged, you know, stuff that a lot of times you forget about, forget to do as landlords. And it basically gives you, a, lets you get a step ahead of things, which saves a, a lot of pain on, on, on just pure reactive, reacting to something bad happening. You're listening to Ice Cream with Investors, a podcast that is dedicated to teaching you how to better invest your money so that you can live a more intentional life. I'm your host, Matt Four, and it is my goal to teach and empower you to remove the roadblocks to your financial success. All right, welcome back to the show, everyone. Today we have on Charles Hadsale. Charles is the founder and CEO of eProperty Care, which is a property tech company based out of outside of Boston. eProperty Care delivers smart building solutions for landlords, developers, real estate firms over a cellular connection instead of a Wi-Fi, which we're going to get into some of that. But before starting eProperty Care, Charles spent some time at Texas Instruments and Analog Devices. So as most of our listeners know, I'm in technology sales and I'm in real estate investing. So this is the perfect blend of both of those worlds to have this conversation. I'm super excited about it. And I'll just say, Charles, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. I'm excited to be on your show. Absolutely. Well, we like to start with the difficult questions here. What's your favorite ice cream? I love Reese's peanut butter cup ice cream. You're the first person to say that. And I love some Reese's peanut butter cups. And so I'm just imagining it with ice cream. It's got to be delicious. Anything that has like Reese's in it, I like gravitate to. So, you know, that's how you get me. Okay. Now, do you like the trees that they do during the Christmas time? You know, I'm talking about the Reese's trees. I'm more of a traditionalist. I like just the, the peanut butter cups, you know, or the PCs. Those are also delicious. Oh, Reese's PCs is the most underrated candy of all time. I feel like tell our listeners, what's the scoop? What do you do today? So I'm the founder and CEO of eProperty Care. We are a smart building technology provider. I founded the company four years ago to solve my needs as a small landlord, where I needed a solution to detect you know, water leaks, you know, HVAC issues, rekey locks, and I do it over cellular connection. So that was one big gap I identified four years ago. And uh, at, since then, we've been working with like bigger and bigger projects, bigger and bigger landlords to deploy you know, smart apartment solutions that really help boost NOI for the owners and operators. Awesome. Well, I know uh, talking before the show here that you actually got into real estate before founding the company. Can you tell our listeners, where did your real estate journey begin? Yeah. So, so it started in uh, Chicago. You know, I was, uh, I was a new, new college grad, you know, w- working uh, for Texas Instruments and I, uh, you know, deployed up to Chicago in a sales role. And at the time, my parents are like, you know, once you figure out Chicago and where you want to live, you should, you should buy a house. You should you know, you know, buy a house and you should rent out rooms because they, they've been doing real estate investing for like many, you know, decades. So they encouraged me at a pretty young age to like take, and this is back in the time when you could get a loan for everything. You know, we could get hundred percent financing back in like 2005, 2006. So, so I, I bought a single family home in Chicago. You know, I had some roommates to come live with me. So I had, you know, three roommates living with me in the single family home. It was, it was really a great uh, extension from college. You know, I had friends living with me always like, you know, fun, fun times you know, go out with, um, but it, it, it covered the mortgage and I'm like, Oh, this, this is a pretty good, this is a pretty good strategy. So I got uh, transferred to uh, an opportunity in Boston. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to rent out this whole place and do the same thing in Boston. So I kind of did that in, in in Boston, then in Houston, then in Dallas. And then I got to a point where, 
you know, I have rental properties across like several states. I'm like, you know, there's gotta be a, a more tech efficient way to like manage and operate these, you know, versus just relying on the eyes of the tenant or paint, paint a property manager to kind of look after the property. So that's when I started to do a lot of research and realized that, you know what, there's not really good solutions out there for, for small landlords for remotely managing and controlling rental properties. Cause I, I've been hit by, you know, water leaks, dip, burst pipes, you know, temperate HVAC issues. And with technology, it's really a way to get ahead of a lot of these, get ahead of a lot of these problems. So you're, so you're not incurring like the emergency calls or, you know, insurance claims, stuff that really just causes a big headache and really erases your cash flow for the, for the year as a real estate investor. Yeah. Now, uh, going back to your one in Chicago, you said you rented out the rooms. That's a strategy called house hacking, uh, or it's gotten the term house hacking over the past couple of years. Did you know going into buying that home that you were going to rent out the rooms? Or was that just kind of a coincidence that you had some friends looking for some space to live? It was kind of a, a happy coincidence, you know, where it's like, okay, I got, uh, you know, I found a house I like, so I probably it, it probably allowed me to buy a house that was probably larger than I would have bought if it was just for me. So I did have some kind of an intent behind it to rent, rent rent it out, but it kind of became like a core part of all the houses I bought subsequently. It's like okay, I want to buy in areas near, near colleges, near like you know nice area where you can walk to restaurants and bars, you know stuff that appealed to me as a twenty something, thirty something year old because that's really who my target like tenant audience was. Yeah, your your journey sounds a little bit like mine in the sense of I started where I bought a townhome and then I, one of my best friends graduated from college the year after me and was looking for a place to live. And I was like, well, I have this extra room. And then once you start getting that cash flow or that money coming into your bank account that essentially pays for you to live, you realize how, how powerful of a, a strategy real estate investing can be. Uh, absolutely. It kind of really built a great, uh, you know, passive income flow. And obviously the, the appreciation over, you know, 15 plus years across a lot of these properties that, you know, that, that says a lot. That, that says a lot. Obviously, you have some highs and lows during the you know the downturns and whatnot. But if you have a long term horizon, you know, and you're able to ride out the you know the crashes, it's a it, it's a great asset class to be to be invested in. Especially as a you know at the time it was a part time thing with my full time W two income. But then yeah. but then it, but then it got to a point where it's like you know what I think there's a big opportunity here. Let me take a risk and you know, give it a shot to really build a company and try to deploy the solution to a lot a lot more you know investors like myself. Yeah, I like to say that real estate goes up and to the right over the long term. The problem is I just can't tell you how long you have to hold it or how long that period will be. Certainly, there are times in 2000, 2008, uh, the beginning of 2020, where it looks like the, the market's a little shaky. But if your long-term horizon is forever, then it will always go up and to the right. This is a firm belief I have. When you moved from Chicago to Dallas, did you kept the property in Chicago, right? Yeah, correct. So I've, I've never sold a property, actually. And I've oh, okay. Been, you know, so... So I have like properties in like Chicago, Boston, Houston, Dallas, and then our primary residence here in Boston too. Um, so we kind of came, came full circle around. Did you, um, did you manage the property in Chicago when you first moved to Dallas? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is pre tech days, obviously. So this is where, okay, kind of managing it with the tenant and kind of doing all the, the nonsense that you typically go through as like a remote landlord. You know, I did get a property manager at one point, but it didn't didn't really work out. So, but then once once I got like the tech deployed, that kind of changed the game because now I was able to basically be aware when hey the the heat's not working. So now I know before the tenant knows that there's a problem, and I could get it scheduled versus that emergency call. So it really kind of made, and even for like repairs and for tenant turns, 
being able to like remotely rekey a lock or create a code that works just for like an hour to let a handyman in that kind of changed the game because now I did not, it freed me up from having to coordinate with you know, all the tenant scheduling that really sucks away a lot of your time as a, as, as a landlord. So it kind of made the whole thing easy for easier for me, easier for my tenants and easier for like the, the contractors and trades that, that I utilized. Yeah. I would say that's the number one tip I would give anybody that's uh, renting out a property for the first time is if you can invest in smart locks, because showing the property is like legitimately the hardest thing and most time sucked part of the process. And that's why property managers get such a lease fee is because they're having to run out to the property a couple of times just to get a, a qualified tenant in there. Um, so let, let's talk about e-property e, e care and the solution that you built. So we've mentioned a couple of different things, uh, access control and monitoring the heat and things like that. I guess I, I'm in technology and I'm assuming most of our listeners come from that kind of realm. So let's start off with the basics is, is um, how, are you, how are you doing? What do you connect with? And then maybe we'll go into some like different APIs and things like that that you tie into. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so, so the solution is is primarily cellular, but it can operate over Ethernet or over an inversion of our panel could work off of Wi-Fi. So, if there's like a managed Wi-Fi network in a building, we could tap into that with with cellular backup, or we could go cellular exclusively. So, so th this is what I found was one of the big gaps. You know, four years ago when I started things, is like having a cellular allows me to basically deploy my sensible show and tells like a hub like this put it in like the basement of a property. Now that property is connected and now it's not. And now when the tenant moves out, I'm still connected because I'm not relying on the Wi-Fi of the tenant or paying for Wi-Fi for, for the property, which just doesn't really, it doesn't really make, make sense. So it uses cellular for the connection to the internet and it uses a technology called Z-Wave for the local, the local connections. So with like the locks, the thermostats, the water valves, the water sensors, that all connects to the, to the hub via, via Z-Wave, which is essentially like a, I always describe it as, it's like Wi-Fi, but for smart buildings. So it's in, it's a low power, long range kind of wireless net mesh network that's intended for like low data rate items, but it has a much longer range than Wi-Fi and going through like walls and ceilings and, and meshing together. So everything doesn't have to talk directly to the hub. It could talk to its nearest neighbor, which will pass the data back home. So you could have like a long network in a hallway or in a multi-story house, you operate off of a single hub. And then do you sell the hub or do you sell the software on top of the hub? Uh, both, both. Uh, so, so the hub, the hub and the software are kind of like tied together. Um, so, so when we sell like a hub or like, we also have like a version that's like a nice touchscreen, like color panel for like more of like class A type of like properties. Um, so that, 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 that gives you like the brains of the operation. And then you can add either like a lot of industry standard ZUA products or products that come from alarm.com, which is one of our technology suppliers, you know, for this. Gotcha. Gotcha. So for those that may be a little bit lost, I'm going to try to break it down as well. Uh, so the hub is essentially a repository that's collecting all this sensor data, and then it's collecting that not over Wi-Fi. And the reason why we're not connecting that over Wi-Fi is you can imagine if a tenant moves out and their uh, Wi-Fi is in their name, then all of a sudden you don't get the benefits or the value of the solution because there's no way to connect it. So you can do it over Wi-Fi, but your solution actually does it over cellular as well. So if you, you're always going to have a cellular connection as long as you're paying for the cellular subscription. Am I hitting it right so far? You got it. Basically makes, it's almost like a network in a box. So Perfect. I don't need to like put in a SIM card. I don't need to like worry about paying T-Mobile or at t It's like for our software SaaS fee, that includes the cellular data and the software. So that's all kind of like bundled into our, to our service. Perfect. I understand the smart locks. Those are, that's kind of an easy concept for most people to understand like Nest. 
But you're also doing things like monitoring water, monitoring HVAC, monitoring different things in the, the home. How are y'all doing that? Do you have sensors that you're putting on there? Is there some different type of technology? What does that look like? Yeah, Alarm.com, which is, again, our technology supplier, they, they develop their own thermostats that utilize like analytics. So it not just tells you if, it's a, if there's a high or low temperature, it actually looks at your heating and cooling cycles and says, hey, Matt, there's something wrong in unit number one or two. It's taking a long time to heat up or cool down. So it's a way to kind of get proactive and predictive in, in, in determining issues. Because now if I know that there's there's something not working well in one of my units, I could deploy someone there during the day when it's cheap and say, hey, check it out here, tenant, go check the air filter, make sure it's not clogged, you know, stuff that a lot of times you forget about, forget to do as landlords. And it basically gives you, a, lets you get a step ahead of things, which saves a, a lot of pain on the, on the, on just be pure reactive, reacting to something bad happening. And on the water side, you know, we have a couple of like different solutions. One solution involves like, you know, I see water sensors, guys like this that could get placed in water heaters, sump pumps near washing machines. But we also have a very unique product uh, produced by, you know, a subsidiary of alarm.com called building 36. That is a integrated flow meter slash water valve. So it actually gets cut into the plumbing system, you know, after typically after the city water meter and it has the a flow rate detector to detect like burst pipes, running toilets, smaller leaks, and trigger different levels of reactions. You know, it could either shut off the water, it could trigger an alert to the property manager, trigger an email to you. So it's programmable in terms of like what it could do, but it basically allows like the actuation and the prevention of damage using kind of like smart analytics to look at flow rates and flow durations to determine when there when there's an issue. And one interesting thing that also kind of ties into that is. After all that, you know, last winter, there was that deep freeze in Texas that caused a lot of like property damage in like Dallas and surrounding areas. You know, a lot of insurance carriers are now embracing water protection technology as a means of pre preventing disaster. So water loss is actually the second biggest cause of loss for insurance carriers besides outside of like wind and hail. And, and this is a way to the most preventable way to prevent water damage. So a lot of these carriers are starting to give discounts when electronic water protection solutions are in place. So one of our discussion points with like multifamily investors is, hey, you know, check your insurance carrier because if you put this in, it could pay for itself through, through insurance savings. And we even got programs going with several carriers where if the solution is installed, they get a 10% discount on their insurance policy. So if you look across your, your, your insurance bill and imagine taking off 10%, you know, the typical payback period is typically like a year and a half or two years. And if you're a long-term investor, it, it doesn't make sense not to do it. Yeah. I, I want to get into that specifically, but before we get there, does alerts.com, does it tie into Nest or do you have, or, or other uh, ones out there, or do you have to buy the alerts.com uh, thermostat, for example? Yeah. So, so alarm.com does tie into like Nest. Oh. There, there is an integration with Nest and like Echobee and some, and, and some other like versions or thermostat types. So it's kind of a mix of some proprietary items, but some very standard items like Yale locks. Like we integrate with like Yale locks. So that's a pretty much industry standard in like the smart lock space. So it makes sense to like use something that's been around for 200 years than to, you know, build a proprietary lock that, you know, is, is really tied to a, a specific company. Yep. Perfect. Um, and then you mentioned um, the insurance and the NOI. So I guess just to kind of shed some light on that. So the value of commercial properties is based off the NOI. It's not based off of what the commercial property sold next to it. So if you're able to increase revenue or decrease expenses, or hopefully a mix of both, you will increase the net operating income that that building produced, which makes it more valuable in the market. This can help avoid things like water leaks, or if you haven't uh, charged your tenants 
the utilities, then they would be able to see, hey, this person is out uh, or this unit's not occupied and the heat is really high. So we could go in and turn it down. Would it do things like that as well? Yeah. So, so there's kind of two like two legs to it, I say. And you hit it on the head. Like the first is like I could raise revenues. Because a lot of like a lot of like investors and landlords are starting to charge, you know, smart apartments as an amenity are becoming increasingly popular. Where if you're building something and not putting smart tech in, you're gonna lose out to like the building across the street that is. And we're seeing some landlords getting, you know, 50, 75 hundred dollars higher rent by having a smart enabled apartment that, that where you allow the, the tenant to have app control of it, but you have like a master control of it as the owner or property manager. So it's kind of the best of both worlds. So a lot of a lot of people are 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 easily justifying the expense and the investment by putting, by increasing the revenues, which, which it leads, which is supported by, by good data that's out there. I always cite the example of like invitation homes. They're one of like the largest like REITs out there. And they literally have a fee on their website where if you want to utilize the smart apartments, similar platform based on alarm.com, it's a $25 charge. So do you want app access, Matt? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. Here's 25 bucks to your rent and have at it now. So, so that, that's the easiest and most direct way where investors say, hey, I could justify the investment by increasing my revenues. But it also has a big effect on costs. You know, so one, if you're paying for utilities, either electric or water, water or gas, you can now have almost like, a, like guardrails on the property. So you can prevent a tenant from running the heat at 80 degrees in the middle of the wintertime or running the AC at 60 degrees in, in, a, in a heat wave and putting it straining your system or even worse, freezing your fan coils and triggering a service call. What's more, when the property goes vacant, you know, if the tenant set the, a schedule that didn't make sense, unless someone physically goes out to the property and adjusts it or turns it off, like you're, you're at the mercy of that. So this actually, we have integrations with property management software systems like RealPage, Entrada, Yardi, Appfolio, and others to say, hey, that unit's now vacant. Let me put it into way mode automatically. So now all my vacant units are operating at a, at a much more energy efficient you know, point until the next resident moves in and we transfer utilities over, over to them. So HVAC and other utilities could not, you can now like you know, save and reduce cost. And then like, and then water, you know, running toilets, leaks, burst pipes, you know, not only can you reduce your water and sewer bill, because any a lot of landlords that have like hundreds or thousands of rental properties, they got dozens of running toilets that don't they don't even know about. And those are just drains on NOI. So if you can now know instantly that there's a problem in a unit and could stop it, that, that in and of itself pays for it. And then you layer on the insurance savings that are, are possible. Now you got a great return. So you, you can, so to kind of summarize, you could raise rents and you could reduce costs on HVAC, on tenant turns, on rekeen expenses, on water, water and sewer, and on repairs. Catch one, like we have a client that had a, uh, a water heater let go on the third floor. They didn't use our water protection solution. So he had three floors of damage, and now he's all about getting the getting the water sensors by all his water heaters, right? Uh, so it takes like one one event like that that causes people to be believers in the power of prevention versus you know reacting. Yeah, one of the uh, uh, investors I'm connected with bought an apartment complex one time. It's like a 16 unit from a mom and pop seller, and the water bill was just through the roof. And it was exactly that: the pipes underneath the bathtub were busted. So they didn't realize that they were paying for all that extra water that was dripping out, not only to mention the damage that that caused. So what I love about what I'm hearing too, is 
you're really getting the best of both sides when you're talking about an NOI. You're able to increase the revenue by charging a quote unquote smart amenity fee, which residents and tenants would love. And you're also reducing costs with insurance, future damages and preventative damages and overhead. The fact that you can notify your app or your, your software when a tenant has moved out and changed the settings back to the default setting, quote unquote, or the, um, the, the firm level baseline, I guess you could call it as well, is just tremendous because having to send someone out there to manually do that and keep track of that is just a huge, huge time suck. Yeah, it, it really has made, you know, and, and I eat my own dog for that. I've just deployed to my rental properties and it's, it's allowed me to self-manage these rental properties for many years. And it, it, it really has made my life a lot easier. And a lot of our clients are catching running toilets immediately when they install this. Like, hey, I would have never known that there was a, a loose flapper on that toilet. You know, now I know, you know, things like yep. that, that you just wouldn't catch that will just have a long-term drag on your overall return. And we're all trying to like maximize returns and reduce costs and whatnot. So it's just a, it's a means of doing that, but now I think we're in a big paradigm shift in the, in the industry where smart apartments are popular. Tenants want technology. Once a tenant goes keyless, there's no going back to keys, especially in places like Boston where you have a lot of old buildings and old doors and a lot of old keys laying around. Like going keyless and using a phone app is highly differentiating you know, over like existing housing stock and rent, rental housing stock. Yeah, I still kind of think the property tech sector as a whole is still a little immature. It's growing. So I kind of want to ask about competitors you see in the space, both on the commercial side, but also on the residential, like single family side. So from a single family perspective, I would assume like uh, Ring and Nest are your primary competitors, but you're offering a ton more than they are. Are there any other competitors in that single family space that you see? I actually don't don't consider Nest and Ring competitors in like the okay. single family rental space just because they're not they're not operating over cellular. You know, a lot of them are operating over Wi-Fi. So I think for homeowners, absolutely. I think those two, you know, Amazon and Nest, they they, they have a great great platform for like homeowners. But I think in the, when you get to the rental property, having like a kind of a scalable enterprise like grade you know software package that allows you to have like all your properties in one place and view. That's really where there's like differentiators. A lot of our competitors actually focus on like the large multifamily. So you know, we, we, we compete against companies like Latch and Smart Rent and others that are you know, publicly traded SPAC companies that really focus on the largest REITs out there. You know, we're finding a big opportunity in like the mid, the mid market, you know, people that are, you know, have 1,000 to 5,000 units that just need a tech solution and want to have it save the money, increase their operational efficiency and allow them to charge higher rents and modernize their, 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 their properties. So I'd say in the single family, there's not, there's not many focused in like the single family rental space, just because, you know, the, the scalability is a little harder there, but also a lot of our competitors have a much more expensive solution. So the economics don't work well in a single family rental market, but I could deploy a, a hub lock thermostat for under 500 bucks. That's like, Hey, that, that makes sense. I can invest in that and put that in and now have control of my, of, of my property. Do you have a cloud-based portal where people can go in and kind of look at what's going on? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's a cloud-based portal, then there's also an app. And at the cloud-based portal, you know, you have like your unit level stuff, then you have like the enterprise level where I could group buildings and properties into different groups and be able to run rules or, you know, across all those different enterprise groups. So really is, the software is really intended to be more enterprise grade for people who have thousands and tens of thousands of rental properties that they want to all control and have like smart enabled. Nice, nice. Well, um, no software uh, conversation is complete unless we talk about cybersecurity. Um, I'm assuming since you're over a cellular network, you're probably a little bit more secure because you're getting AT&T's uh, security level 
versus uh, your Google Home Wi-Fi security that I haven't updated since I put it in a couple of years ago. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about what you're seeing from the security perspective and, and how you guys are handling that? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like cellular is inherently a lot more secure than like Wi-Fi. You know, just because you know to hack the to hack that hub, you got to hack the cellular network, and you know that's more of like a state-sponsored you know you know you know hacker, not a not some guy playing around and trying to get onto your like ring doorbell and and, and view video. So the, the inherent backend connection is just a lot more secure, and then Z-Wave is just a, an inherently secure protocol, especially the new version called S2, where it has like a much higher level of encryption for that connection between like the lock and the and the hub. So that's not, so Z-Wave is not really a common protocol where hackers are trying to like hack Z-Wave networks. It's not like Wi-Fi where you have Wi-Fi sniffers and looking at SSIDs and trying to trying to get in there. So just in general, now there's always, the, it's not like no platforms unhackable. You know, I'm definitely not saying that, but I think just with the inherent selection of cellular as like the backend and then like Z-Wave S2 as the, as the, like the front end connections, it just is a much more secure and robust protocol than just a bunch of Wi-Fi components hanging on like a tenant's Wi-Fi network. Yeah, just to give an analogy for non-technical people out there from a Z-Wave perspective, what I think you're saying too is there used to be this common theme or uh, misconception out there that Apple was more secure than Microsoft. And in reality, what it was is there were just so many more Microsoft devices out there than there were Apple devices. So if I'm a malicious actor, I'm going to write code that can go tap into 90% of the devices out there versus maybe the 2% that Apple is out there. Is that what you're kind of meaning with uh, Z-Wave is that it's a, it's a little known protocol. So to write some kind of security threat against Z-Wave as a protocol, then you are getting very, very specific on things that you're looking for. And most hackers want to go for the low-hanging easy fruit, not the uh, more intense high labor attacks. Yeah, I, th I think that, that's that's mostly correct. Like I, I think Wi-Fi is ubiquitous. You know, Wi-Fi is everywhere. I think actually in the smart building world, Wi-Fi is a lot more common than other things, you know, because there's protocols like Zigbee and, and some other ones. And you know, Z-Wave has been around for many years, so it's probably one of the more widely deployed smart building, you know, you know, technology choices. But compared to the universe of Wi-Fi, it's it's still really small compared to this universe of all your computers and laptops and you know access points. So it, so I think I think your your analogy is very 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 true. It's like hey, in in the in the overall world, Wi-Fi is like this big elephant where there's if you, if you hack Wi-Fi, then you get access to a lot of stuff. But Z-Wave is much smaller. But within the smart building world. Z-Wave is definitely like one of the top, most widely deployed protocols. So it's not like a niche, a niche protocol, but compared to Wi-Fi and consumer, it's, it's definitely the scale is not there. Yeah, they're not going to accidentally stumble upon uh, Z-Wave and write a malicious code. It has to be somebody that's looking to hack a smart building and can penetrate some kind of carrier-based security like AT&T, Verizon. And again, not saying it's not hackable, but the fact that those those companies have billions of dollars that they throw towards cybersecurity, you feel a little bit safer than just random Wi-Fi that's ubiquitous everywhere. Absolutely, and you hear about all those, you know, the the ring doorbells or nest, you know, people hacking those all the time. Those those just call, cause the horror stories that prevent a lot of people from adopting the technology because they think that hey, am I am I safe? But that's yeah. why we think that the solution is inherently a lot more secure for people and for like landlords to deploy in a very controlled manner. Yeah, this is, this is awesome. And my technology geekiness is kind of seeing a number of different ways that this could add value to some of the projects that I've got going on. But one of the questions that might be coming up in listeners' mind is, do you have a demo out there where people could see kind of what the portal looks like and all that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I actually have demos all over my desk here. You know, you know, I literally have like live systems that I'll like hold up 
and I'll like go to the website and like hit lock door. And then you see the thing turn. And the first time you do that, you always get a smile on people's face. They're like, ah, oh, that's yeah. so cool. Like I can now push my, cause I haven't, I haven't carried a key around me in like four plus years. <laughs> so yep. once you get used to that, but we have like demo systems and you know, we have a lot of our clients allow us to kind of use their like larger deployments as a way to just to kind of show people like the video, the access control, the water, all the things that kind of make that people want to see depending upon what, the, what their care about is. Cause I think the, you know, because we, we started off very focused on like small and real estate investors like me, people have single family rentals, two family rentals, et cetera. But the solution actually scales from that to thousand unit complexes. So you kind of could kind of choose your pick your poison along that continuum and the solution could work there in different in different implementations. So that's yeah. why it's kind of like a unified software platform that could scale, you know, and most of the investors on your show are ones that are, have a growth mindset and they're looking to like add properties to build, build their, build a real estate portfolio. So you can start with a one family, but eventually you'll be doing like 30 unit buildings, hundred unit buildings, and the solution will scale with you on that. You can add it and you can add to stuff, add stuff over time as well. Yeah. That's exactly where my mind was going. You took the words right out of my mouth. If you're like into Airbnb investors, you could set this up and unlock it when they're coming and lock, change the codes when they're going out. And also set, I love the idea of setting the temperatures and being able to watch some of the proactive maintenance, like water and things like that. And then as you scale into commercial buildings, if that's on your investing journey, then implementing this across 100, 200 units or something like that is the easiest way to add NOI to a property that I think I've I've come across so far. So fantastic stuff. Before we go into like our last round here, anything we missed or we want to make sure we cover before we uh, enter the five toppings here? No, I, I think I think I think we, we we got it. Really, it's just showing people that there's a there, smart building tech is a big NOI play, both from a revenue standpoint, but also from a cost reduction standpoint. And there's a lot of different ways. This applies across different asset classes. You know, Class C properties, Class B, Class A. You know, even like some industrial or commer other commercial properties, you know, so it, it, it could really have a lot of different like unique applications. You know, we happen to focus on multifamily just because the, the, the economics are, re are really good there and a lot of new construct. Because one, one interesting thing that we've studied recently is the, the delta cost of putting in a smart lock versus a dumb lock is not that much. You're looking at a couple hundred. So if you're building a new apartment complex, you know, putting in like a Schlage lock, you know, a Honeywell thermostat. The delta cost of putting in a smart lock and a smart thermostat is like a couple hundred bucks. So if you look at a couple hundred bucks per unit across a project that's you know fifty to hundred million dollar project, it's nothing. And right. if you, if you can now eliminate rekeying expenses for you know ten years, eliminate you know protect against vacant unit uh, utility abuses, detect wire leaks, the NOI you know, story is very even more compelling than the onset of looking at just the the, the, the raw hardware cost. Yep. Yep. No, awesome stuff. And and I love this. And again, I'll, I'll kind of reiterate, I think the prop tech space seems very immature to me right now. And you all are a first mover or one of the first movers in the space and have a future, bright, bright future ahead of you. But um, I want to switch us now to the five toppings here. Our first one is what is your favorite book or what's a book you've read recently that's given you a paradigm shift? Yeah. So I, I recently read uh, The Psychology of Money by like Morgan Neuhausel. And it was interesting because I actually asked my wife to read it too, because she doesn't really read a lot of books. I'm like, please read this one because I think it has a lot of very like good, like teachable things, you know, really having like a long time horizon, how the earlier, and that, and this kind of makes me think back to my early twenties when I bought my first house. It's like long time, I still own that property, you know, a long time horizon and a lot of things, a lot of the sins of the past go away. And I like that. I like the fact also that it really made you think about how everyone's risk profile is different and you can't not, not everyone has like a different view of, their, their safety net, how much cash they need to have, what, where they want to invest, how you can't really compare yourself to anyone else because it's really all about like you, you and your family. 
So I really liked uh, that book and it kind of caused me to even recommend it to my wife to like take to start reading it. So I, I've put that one down on my list then because that's been recommended to me several times and I've never read it. And um, I love what you were talking about the psychology there. Cause I, I like to say in personal finance and in finance, there's what you should do from a math perspective and then what you should do from an emotional standpoint. And the answer is a blend of those two. So what works for me might not work in the best math sense or the best on paper, but it's the right thing for me because it meets that blend there. Well, yeah. And, and it's like, even like, you know, I went to the business school in the university of Chicago. So Richard Thaler, you know, behavioral economics, you know, like th- that guides so much behavior more so than just the pure math, you know? so yep. the, studying that the psychology of it, not just the, you know, the mathematics of it. Yep, absolutely. Well, our second one is, um, I believe that the person you become 10 years from now is directly correlated to the things you do every single day and the habits that you have. What's something that you do every single day? So I'd say wake up early, you know, and, and maybe this, this is also a function of having, you know, four, four kids. Yeah. It's like, the morning time is really the only time where you can like really like think and decompress and not to worry about things. So I tend to wake up, you know, around five o'clock every day, you know, try to work out, you know, four to five times a week. I do a lot of reading when I, when I work out. So it's kind of like my time to like decompress and plan and, you know, plan for the day and kind of, you know, get some exercise in because usually after the kids wake up and until they go to bed, you know, it's just a madhouse. Uh, otherwise. Yep. If you want to win the day, win the morning. Our third one is what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? So I think, I think it ties directly to my story, right? Of my parents tell me to invest in real estate early, <laughs> you know, getting that uh, encouragement to kind of pull the trigger at a young age versus when I felt, uh, you know, when I was probably more un, you know, unsecure in my financial, you know, assets to kind of get, to give the chance and get into the real estate game. You know, um, that I think has really changed the, the trajectory of my like net worth in my life more than anything. Yeah. I uh, read a quote by Charlie Marnegar the other day. It's like, you don't get rich on the buy. You don't get rich on the sell. You get rich on the waiting. So the holding period. So uh, yeah, getting involved early is a key there. Our fourth one is what's the thing that you're most proud of in your life? I can obviously give, you know, you know love my fam- proud of the family that you know, the life, like my wife and I have built. But I'd say one of the business prouds is leaving like the comfort, the comfort of a W2 income to, to start a business and grow it and grow it. And we're four years in now and we're really hitting like a really huge growth trajectory. I'd say that's probably the proudest thing is like having the courage to leave something comfortable and, and get, give it, give it a shot and start and really start to execute on the vision that, you know, we had from you know day one of how do we make landlords lives easier, um, small and big. Yeah. I don't know when to deter us, but I think a lot of folks coming out of 2020 and 2021 are in that period where they're trying to figure out what their new normal is. And we're in this process of the great resignation right now that seems to be everywhere on the news. How, how were you, any tips or tricks or thought processes that you would share with our listeners on how you were able to kind of make that jump? Yeah. So, so I, I found this uh, program called, cause I did, I did some like tech stars, like startup weekends you know, where, you know, go to the week, spend a weekend, build a business idea and like working on it with, with the team. And, and my idea was, was selected. You know, the, the original instantiation of, of e-property here was combining like a repair network with the smart building tech to be like a, almost like a digital property manager, like a full turnkey tech, tech enabled property manager. And so, so that was kind of what got me into this originally. It's like, Hey, you know what? I, the idea is kind of resonating with people. And then I found about this, this program called Founders Institute, which is basically like a you know, three-month kind of accelerator program where, hey, it'll, it'll give you, make you ask all the right questions and kind of give you homework assignments to really develop the business and think it through. So that, that kind of gave me a great bridge from this comfortable W-2 world to 
building it and seeing, hey, would this work? Can this really work at, at scale? Can it do this? So th- those were kind of two things, but the whole Techstar startup weekend and then this Founders Institute are kind of things that changed the trajectory to made, made it easy for me to transition and convince my wife that, hey, there's a there's a big opportunity here. And then to kind of put the cherry on it, cherry on top, you know, in your ice cream analogy, my wife went to a sales conference and uh, Robert Herkovic from Shark Tank w- w- was there. And He's like, take risks. You know, you, you, these are the ways you're going to impact your future the most. Take, you know, don't be afraid to take risks. And, you know, I'm fortunate that my wife has a very good you know, W2 income. So I'm able to take the risk on this while we build up the business and, you know, we, and, and we can, we can still support a family. So I kind of got, yeah. I got really lucky with my wife. Yeah. And it sounds like too, just getting involved in building the bridge. Like I, I don't subscribe to the burn the boats mentality that some people say, like, yeah, you, you can't have a plan B. I think it's okay to build a bridge towards where you're going and then wait until you're ready to kind of make that jump. Our last one is if you could sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And why? I, I would say uh, Elon Musk, you know, because he, he just seems like a very, you know, su- such a disruptor, so interesting. You know, I, I, lo- I really like how he takes a very hands-on approach to things. You know, I think that kind of like that reflects kind of my my overall style, getting hands-on in, into the details and not not afraid to, you know, roll up the sleeves and get on the factory floor, so to speak. So I, I just see him as just a very interesting per- person, just a serial disruptor taking on like big auto space, just, just a lot of interesting industries. So the, the engineer in me really like loves uh, what he's done and finds him just fascinating, you know, how he's built many, like many successful businesses. Yeah. Most people don't know, like during his SpaceX days, like he was one of the primary engineers kind of building those rockets. So to go from PayPal to Tesla to, to SpaceX and have that engineering mind across so many different things, brilliant, brilliant person. Well, Charles, this is fantastic. If our listeners wanted to reach out to you and learn more about what you're doing over at ePropertyCare, property care, where's the best place we could send them? Yeah. Best place is our website, you know, www.epropertycare.com. Yeah. We're happy to do, you know, free consultations or help people like learn about the tech and figure out how to pilot it or try it out in their properties. So really appreciate the opportunity here to, to come on your show, Matt. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to have you back on in a couple of years when this thing goes big. Cause again, I think you guys have a huge bright future ahead of you. So thanks again for coming on and can't wait to uh, reconnect later. All right. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Ice Cream with Investors. If you like what we serve you here, it would mean the world to me if you would like, subscribe, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app.